This episode of the Fonzcast is brought to you by Donkey Punch, which would like to remind you that the Fonzcast may contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Fonz here. I'm here with Josh. Uh, no Nick, no sea cakes today. Nope. No sea, but it's okay. Um, we'll get through it. We're here at Ecliptic Brewing. They brew beer here. And Do they ever? They, yeah, and I and we just I just met the owner, right? Yeah. What was his name? John Harris. John Harris. He yeah. is a brewing legend. He is. Yeah, we should meet. Well, another time we'll meet and interview him. He was, is amazing. Look I was gonna say up. he did sound his name sounded familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, up there with all the legends. He did. Uh, there's a, a recipe, a beer called Mirror Pond. That's he did that. A, that's his baby. Wow. Another one called Jubilee. No way. That's my favorite beer. That's him. That's yeah. my favorite beer. Yeah, that's him. Every time I've been to a Christmas beer competition, Jubilee wins. Dude, it's amazing. Wait, wow. well, it wins in your book or in the in the, the popular vote? Oh, okay. I should also say that voice. Obviously, is not Nick. That no. is Ilian Maybe. Uh, he is a, I guess, an author, right? I guess. I mean, soon? Uh, now? Fingers crossed? Yeah. Okay. Yes, he is an author and also has a slideshow called The Dismurphy Code, which was really popular right here around, say, 2012 or so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this is kind of like, you heard it right, it's called Dismurphy Code. It's kind of like a, a Da Vinci Code style. Uh, well, I mean, it's, why don't you explain it? I mean, it's, I think it's awesome. So The Dismurphy Code is, it's, I guess it's my Holy Grail thesis wrapped in popular culture, especially Smurfs. <laughs> so it's about how I found a code hidden in the Smurfs that led me to the truth behind the Holy Grail. Like the Da Vinci Code, <clears throat> but with Smurfs. Like the, ho- the Holy Grail, like the Christ. Yeah, not my the, Holy the Grail, the Holy yeah, Grail. Yeah, nothing about Jubilee. No. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the Holy Grail, okay. which is a very popular subject where you're from, right? I think it's more, I mean, it's a global story. I mean, like... The, like That's what he meant, Earth. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. I mean, it's, yeah, throughout the ages, every culture has these kind of legends about, you know, this fabled thing. But of course, in the last 2,000 years, it got turned into a Christian story about some magical cup that appeared at the Last Supper and then magically appeared at the crucifixion and Christo's immortality. These, these were just stories created by the Christians to cover up what went on, the stories that were existed before, which were not about a cup. They were about a stone. Yes. So when I started looking for a stone around the world, I found this stone. And it's everywhere. It's on the Hindu temples, it's on the Mormon temples, it's on the Christian, the Catholic. Uh, it's on everything. Everywhere like, you look, yeah, it's, it's right central to the holiest of holies, the main temples, carved in stone. And gets ignored as, and just said, oh, it's just decorative. It looks like a beehive, a pineapple, an egg, a pine crystal. Cream, right? Pine cone, pine cone. Yeah. But it's always the same shape thing, and it's always very exotic, has some weird backstory, but there it is. And so my little theory, wrapped in Smurfs, is about my, me saying this, this, it's, this is the stone, and it's everywhere. It's on railings in the park. It's in the middle of fountains. Because this is the image that seeps through our culture, because it's this precious object from antiquity, and we no longer know what it is. But my theory is that, yeah, it's the Holy Grail. And it may well connect us to our um, our ancestral gods. It's a it's a really it's a really great presentation. I mean, like I, I hate to call it a slideshow because it's I mean it's 
I mean, you got you also have like you do a really good job. Also, like, you make it funny. Like you said, you look great in that. I'll I mean, no different than now. Oh. <laughs> but I mean, I like, I like to say it's serious but frivolous. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like it's <clears throat> these days, it's not a lot of people like to watch slideshows. You know, but I, I really see, I, you, the content is amazing, and the way you put it together, I mean, it's I mean, it's really hard to deny. You can, uh, you come out you come out of it, and you just want to say, "Hey, Josh, did you ever see the Dismurphico?" And he looks at me like I'm crazy. But but you've got to see this thing. It's, you know, right now it's available on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we'll maybe we'll post a link <coughs> up on it, maybe on our Twitter, yeah, yeah, or something, so you guys can get to it easy. But I'm just fascinated as to like, I mean, how long did it take for you to put that together? It was something I was working on for a long time. It started when I was a tour guide on the open-top double-decker buses in London. Just seeing, seeing objects around the city and then asking some questions of our teachers and being, you know, pointed in certain directions towards things like Mithraism. Uh, the worship of Mithras for the Romans was a huge thing. Uh, that, that ties into the story. My brother was a Mormon, so I, I had I'd found out about what they call the Deseret. These days they'll, they'll say, it's, oh, it's a beehive. Yes, yeah, <clears throat> and represents. I had seen that community. before, even before your thing. But I had mm. noticed that it was odd, and like it's funny. Like just the other day, I was taking my dog for a walk, and there's just like, obviously it was like a Catholic family. They have these Catholic statu statues of uh, of Mary and Joseph, but in between them was this huge. I guess they would have called look like look like a pineapple or really a large pine cone. It was it's just really odd. It was like right on their porch. It is very strange. The yeah. if you see the Pope's staff that he takes to his all of his. Um, outings, whatever they call them. <laughs> there is Jesus on the cross, on the end of his staff, emerging from a pine cone. So this pine cone, they never talk about it. All the conspiracy people say, oh, look, there it is. Yeah. I have a different take on it to many people. Some people seem to think this, this pine cone represents the pineal gland. Yes. But uh, my opinion on that is, if you were to say, on the field of battle, find a cleaved skull and open it up and go through that brain and find the pineal gland. It's about the size of a grain of rice. And it's kind of pine cone shaped, but it's a little piece of fatty gristle. <laughs> so the idea that they turn this into the central icon of all religion, I find a stretch. Okay. And the idea that the pineal gland is this seat of the soul and the third eye, it's... It's this... a lot for one little... <clears throat> Yeah, there's not much to back that up. These these things appear out of nowhere and suddenly get um, a life of their own. But uh, but equally, my my take on it is just as bizarre. I mean, I'm saying it's a stone that's more like what you would call an iPad, an iPod, or or a phone, a smartphone, because it seems to do so many things. <clears throat> it sits. You, you look at this thing in a dark room. If you go to a temple, pick any country in the world, find an old temple. It has in the middle of it what you call a holy of holies, a small dark room with enough room for a priest and his friend, and maybe a light in the, a hole in the roof for light. And this stone sits on the altar, so it's obviously it glows in the dark. So some would call it a lamp. Uh, it has all these qualities. In in Hinduism, you often see gods emerging from this stone, yep. whether in a cloud of smoke or actually physically climbing out of the stone. In in the, for the Greeks, it was the omphalos stone. The oracle, you know, the oracle temples where you would go there to get answers to your questions. Like a magic eight ball. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's what it became later on. We see, <laughs> if you watch like 300, um, or was it 300? Yeah. Yeah. With the Spartans. Yeah. There's the, there's the scene because it became this this kind of. I think once they'd broken the Graal stone, 
it was it was it was like these <laughs> these these women would go into these trances and, and utter these words which would be translated by the wise men. And you know there are people who have written books saying this is an actual effect. There is a compound that leaks through at these temples that does induce a mania in people. But I think that was centuries after the original uh, oracle temples. And you'll see coins with the god Apollo sit sitting on the stone. Um, and this is the theme you see throughout the world, the gods coming out of the stone. Yeah, it's, in like, you know, I think the way in your slideshow you pointed out, I like, I like you know, you, the way you break it as for the Slayman, you know, like you put the whole thing of R2-D2 putting uh, Princess Leia out, kind of like, kind of, you know, you're my only hope. Mm. You know, right? And I thought that that was really good. Like, that's really, you know, like, all right, I'm out. So forever, I mean, I've heard different theories to kind of like what you're going off of. Like, this is kind of like a Da Vinci code as kind of thing. And I kept waiting for you to kind of come up in that slideshow with the same kind of outcome about, you know, maybe it was Jesus, maybe it was a cup, you know, maybe it's, it's a bloodline. And, and then when you came out with the stone, it wasn't until that moment with the uh, R2-D2. It was like, oh, I see what he's saying. So, like, maybe, like, a communication. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this thing in a dark room, what's it going to do? It's going to be a holographic projection. It's going to be a communication device. In the same way that I'm talking into uh, a smartphone right now. And it, we call it them phones, but they're computers. It's a really high tech. In which we can, you know, uh, all, all the world's <laughs> knowledge is available at our fingertips. And maybe this was what this crystal pine cone, pineapple stone was. Water seems to be involved with it somehow. You anoint this thing. Uh, it's it's it remains a mystery hidden in, in you know. And in obviously, you know, you know, if you want, I mean, I, I highly suggest you guys watch this slideshow. It's, I mean, because like we can probably sit here and talk for hours on this thing. I know, I know, Ilian could. I, I, mean, I guess. <laughs> I mean, this is you know? why it's a slideshow because <laughs> yes. a thousand. It's the, the old adage: a thousand words that a picture is worth. Yeah. And when you see the picture of, say, the big pine cone next to the papal apartments in the Vatican City. And you see the one on the Joseph Smith building in, in Salt Lake City. You see the ones on St. Paul's Cathedral. Then you sit at home going, oh, yep. Oh, right. That's, that's, that's right there on the front in the middle, central. And we'd never catch it. <clears throat> yeah. Like, you know, we'd never catch it. Because uh, they're always talking about crucifixes and the yeah. like. Fonscast. It's whatever I want it to be. So, okay, now, now let's bring the Smurfs into this. Mm -hmm. Like, because like all this information, I mean, let's not forget the title. It's called the, the Smurfy Code. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, all this stuff you said is incredibly interesting. And I mean, like, like I I watched it again just to kind of freshen up for today's talk. But I mean, really, you know, like when you, the stuff you put in with the Smurfs is, is I think is genius. And, it, you know, like, and I hate to throw a stereotype out there, you know, you, you know, you're, you're British, right? I mean, I know you know that, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. You know, you know. For oh, <laughs> my God. Why am I always the last to know? <laughs> you know, there's a, a, you know, they say you guys got a, like a dry humor. So like, I almost like sometimes I'm giggling. I'm like, am I supposed to giggle at that? I don't know. But like it's the, the whole Smurf tying in, I mean, it all makes sense. And when I point it out to people every now and then, you know, like I've got a couple, I have a niece and a nephew that have some Smurf. And I go, look, I go to my wife, I go, check it out. It's Jesus Smurf. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and you're like, you know who told me? Alien maybe. So, like, how did you get the Smurfs into this? It was, um, again, when I was a tour guide, uh, we, would the, we would drive the bus past uh, in the center of London, in the financial district, uh, the, the ruins of a temple of Mithras. And uh, it turns out they wore something called a Phrygian cap. And so I looked it up one day, and lo and behold, it's the Smurf hat. <laughs> I should mention it's also the, the hat you'll see on Liberty. 
the dollars, the dollars coins in the 19th century had the cap on. This is the, the hat that stands on Liberty's spear. This is the symbol of the French Revolution that passed on to the American Revolution. So it's very much tied into uh, culture, but originally it was the worship of Mithras. Um, and so that was the first thing that struck me. Uh, also, they, they live in magic mushrooms, right? Let's yeah. not forget that. <laughs> yes. And there's yeah. a whole folklore and uh, anecdotal culture about psychedelic mushrooms creating religion. Yeah. The experience you have of connection with the world, the oneness with nature, that, that immersion in the, the divine, that's a strong correlation with, with religion, yeah. although actually more genuine and authentic than in, in religion, which yeah. hopes to offer you that as a promise, whereas <laughs> if you eat some mushrooms the right kind, in the right situation, you'll, you'll have that whole Gnostic experience of divine connection to everything and everyone. So I've heard. Uh, apparently, I read in a book. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I read in a book once too that uh, <clears throat> said that, that mushrooms. This is I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but that mushrooms were really responsible for human development for away from monkeys. So that like that if you have if you have a whole world of monkeys and some of them are eating mushrooms and some of them aren't, that they have an they have an advantage because they have heightened senses for hunting. They have heightened sexual uh, arousal for reproduction, and that, that just ultimately they end up dominating in the the natural food chain. Yeah, they start talking. Right. They start talking, mm -hmm. speaking in tongues. Right. I mean, this, this is the <laughs> argument that this, this massive development of the frontal cortex. Right. And Terence McKenna, he wrote this book you're talking about. He said that the only way this can happen is through um, mutagens that are eaten. Did he not also say that they came from space? Yes, <clears throat> panspermia, right? That's what it's... That's it's, what it's, it's called, like. I mean, the, the idea is panspermia, but this is a very specific saying that the psilocybin is made of molecules that don't exist anywhere else. Like nature is built of building blocks. But when you look at psilocybin, it has some phosphorylated blah, 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 blah thing. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what it feels like. I'm, I'm not here. a scientist, so <laughs> I'm a storyteller. But I know you've played one. <laughs> yeah. so I do. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating because, like, I've seen things not, I mean, like, your, your slideshow made me kind of want to research a little bit more on that and, you know, me coming from, you know, I grew up, I'm Hispanic, you know, Catholicism was heavy growing up, you know, and all that, and so when this, when the religion side came up, I thought, I mean, it tied into, tying into, like, Christmas and all that stuff, mm -hmm. you know, um, I thought it was just interesting, like, even all the way down to, like, what the Cardinals wear, like, their, their get-up is, is resemble, it resembles the Amanita Muscaria, like. Well, the, the, the mitre, the bishop's mitre, in Latin, it's mitra as in Mithra, as in Mithras. So again, they seem to be worshiping the ancient gods. And as I said, the, the, the cross emerges out of the pine cone. So all of these, these, these elements that we, we accept as part of religion, they have a very mysterious origin, which also ties in with elements of, of, the, of the Smurfs. Because they, they came out of somebody's unconscious imagination. They were meant to be kind of woodland trolls, but and hence the mushrooms. But they also happen to be blue, which is the color of. Um, you need another beverage? Uh, they also happen to be blue, which again is the color of Krishna, yeah. which ties us back into Hinduism. And again, Hinduism ties in very closely with Buddhism. When you're talking about some ancient ruins discovered in Myanmar or Vietnam, it's going to be a Hindu slash Buddhist temple. And it's going to have a holy of holies, and at the center there's going to be a lingam stone. 
and any big uh, tower on top of that temple is going to mirror what's on the top of the altar, as above, so below. So kind of everything ties into this thing that's been dismissed as being a decorative item. But really, it's the, it's the reason for the season. I mean, this stone. Do you think the dismissal is intentional, or is, mm. do you think it's just so many generations removed that people just don't know anymore? Uh, definitely. This is, it's um, hidden in plain sight. People have right. lost. The, it's the, the cargo cult idea. And that's and, saying, right, uh, uh, what would you say, as, as above? What, what is, as above, so below. And that's a, like, that's a big like, Freemason thing, right? It's just kind of a, almost a, a, an occult truth, if you like. That what happens, I mean, whether it's the three pyramids mirroring the, the belt of Orion, there is this idea of mirroring. So if someone goes to YouTube and they just put in Dismurphy code, will this come up? Yeah. I mean, it's a presentation I did for cable access. Uh, what do you call that? Public access? Yeah, that's like way before the internet, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not my finest hour, but I'm okay with it. So is it like a scroll? What are you talking Before the internet? What are you talking <laughs> You gotta dust this baby up. There were cameras with film. Yeah. Um, Light. All right. Well, I just want to make sure people can find it. So if they go to YouTube, they mm -hmm. just... Type they in just... the Smurfy code. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, mean, I mean, it's got tens of views. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm going to view yes. it twice tonight, so that'll yeah. add a couple. Yeah, and I just watched it yesterday and again about five years ago. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, it greatly affects people's lives and <laughs> they can't stop talking about it. <laughs> Well, you know, what's funny that, I mean, I know you joke when you say that, but honestly, I, I, I do talk about it when, you know, just in conversation, you know, things recently became legal around here, like mm -hmm. alcohol, mm -hmm. and when we're all gathering around, passing Woo! the beer around, yeah. you know, you know. The you green know. beer. <laughs> yes. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? <laughs> it definitely kind of comes up and, and becomes a really fun subject to right. talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so now, you know, you did this, the Smurfy Code, and now you're, you're kind of, you're, you've got a book coming out that's kind of, that you're working on, uh, that's kind of, that's like part two to this? Like, you've, did, you've done more research, you've you found more things? Well, this, I mean, for me, this is, as I mentioned, in terms of the strands of this story going back forever, uh, there were moments when I realized I'm not telling this story, it wants me to tell it. So, stuff would appear, like, magically. i just go to the library and almost just walk up to a bookshelf and there would be a book and I'd open it up and there would be this very important piece of the puzzle. Uh, when, you, when you suddenly dive into the oldest story, possibly one of the oldest stories known to mankind, strange things start to happen. As I said, it wants to be told. This is The life of the story comes alive. It only exists almost if you tell it. And it's used to being told and it's kind of dropping out. So I, I realized that there was an element to, to it which was about storytelling. And I'd been telling this story and I came across a book which um, you know, people say, oh, this book changed my life. And it, that's rarely true. <laughs> Unless it's like a diet or exercise book. But I read this book called Mutants and Mystics, which kind of did change my life because I quit my job and I went traveling to India looking for the Holy Grail. So. I figured that in the south of India, the temples have been less debased by invasions and there'd be more clues and better examples of, of grail iconography than elsewhere in the world. But it, this was all already coalesced in my head. So I told people, look, I'm going to go to India and I've come up with this book and it's called Deeper Blue and the first part is about traveling through time, the second part is about traveling online and the third part is um, traveling overseas. But it's about me descending into my own story to try and become a character in that story and have 
my life merge with the boundaries of the story to see if any strange things would happen. And then while I was there, I would write about it. So it's kind of like this self-fulfilling prophecy. It's cool. And that's what happened. So, so there was something to write about. Yeah. Fonzcast. It's whatever I want it to be. So, you know, there was something to write about, so why don't you, uh, I don't know, can you give us some? So I, I, start, <laughs> I start traveling through this most southerly state, Tamil Nadu, visiting all these temples, and I'm in complete heaven. I mean, I, I've quit my job, I'm on the road by myself, I'm going to these ancient temples, they're everything I ever hoped for. Awesome. I mean, there's the grail stones, there's the, they call them lingam stones in, in Hinduism, the stone that sits on the altar. It's all there, I'm talking to the people, I'm, I'm fully immersed in the stories of Hinduism and where it meets my story. Everything's fantastic. Um, I'm seeing all of these carvings of like, of all the gods, you know, you see that classic statue of, of Shiva dancing on one leg in this kind of arch of fire. Yeah. And then I'll see all those, the other gods in that same situation. And then another statue without the arch of fire. And I'm like, oh look, that's like Stargate. Arch of fire It is on, like Stargate, yeah, you're no right. No Arch of fire, Stargate on. Great movie. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, so one day I'm in a temple and I see this huge arch of, you know, fire, flames, whatever, going into the Holy of Holies. Of course, there's a two big sign saying Hindus only. You know, you can't just roll into these holy places. But, you know, I've come up with this like, oh, that's a Stargate. I've got to have a picture of me in the Stargate. So, pull out my phone, I wait for a, a young Indian to come along, because they're all connected to the world. Uh, not the old people, of course, they're going to hit the phone with their finger and... <laughs> so this young couple come along and she takes the phone I said can you get a picture of me get, get the whole archway in so I go and stand there and I'm like oh I oh know I'll, I'll adopt a, a god pose so I kind of go with a you know palm up facing forward and then palm down facing forward I've seen it in the pictures of the Hindu gods and I try and look serene <laughs> click and then so I go look cool got me in the frame perfect thank you very much carry on looking around the temple so cool back to my hotel Later that night, I'm, going, I'm just going through my photographs, and I look at the picture of me in the arch, and, and there on my belly button is this blue circle of light That's crazy. in between the two hand gestures. And I'm just like, well, and I, you know, it's it's a smartphone. I, I I I enlarge it, but there it is. There's a, and it's Krishna blue. That's crazy. It's Smurfy. Smurfy it's blue. blue, right? And it's <laughs> yeah. on. I mentioned the Omphalo stones earlier. Omphalos means navel. Ah. belly button so in terms of like I was trying to merge my story with my life and this seemed to be like the perfect because I mean it's probably just a lens flare there was a big light in the ceiling but the precision of this event was it was it felt as if if you reach out into the storyscape it'll meet you halfway yeah, it'll so finish the story for you it'll yeah. do the flourish that you could never imagine yeah. Like, I mean, like, even if it was, like, a coincidence, it doesn't matter. Like, the timing is perfect. Like you said, it's it's motivating. It keeps you going. I mean, if, if, if anything, at least at least for you, it is exactly what it's supposed to be. Right. You know, like... For the story, it's the perfect ending. Yeah. Although, if we have time, <laughs> I did top it. Really? Right. So, as I said, you're not disconnected in India. It's a modern... It's a, you know, it's a technical country you know I'm, I'm sitting in the hotel lobbies on the internet on my phone on Facebook and I, I, I developed a crush on somebody who I'd 
I'd never spoken to them. We were Facebook friends. In fact, she'd seen me do a Dismurfico uh, slideshow. Uh, friends, she, she's an artist and I did an art gallery. Um, so she'd been there and we connected somehow. Anyway, she was in my friend stream. I start trolling her feed. I get a bit of a crush on her. <laughs> I think this girl is really cool. Um, I'm single and now traveling Hey ladies, alone. hey, he's all alone. <laughs> she's ready to go. So I get this crush on her. Anyway, when I get to the, the writing part of the, of, the, of the trip, you know, I've got two weeks, I'm at the tip of India, right on the tip. And I'm staying in a hotel, I'm trying to write. Writing for me is not easy. I'm just uh, pulling words out of my orifices, just every <laughs> sentence. And then I'll put the TV on, watch a little bit of cricket or whatever's on the TV. I really wish you would have said telly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit it. <laughs> put that in post, would you? <laughs> can I, okay, can I hear consonant sounds? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm in India. I should be, and I've, I've done this journey through the, through the temples. I've had this, this, this crazy experience. I'm feeling quite good about myself, but you know, the now is always that ineffable. So, I wanted to, to remind myself where I was. I pinned a map of India on one door of the hotel room and a map of the state on the other. And I kind of realized they were both a similar shape. India's like a kind of a tooth-shaped, Tamil Nadu's kind of a tooth-shaped. I then realized that the town I'm in is sticking out like a tooth. Huh. And then there's a little jetty sticking out at the end of the town, which is the true tip of India. Wow. So I'm like, perfect place to do a ritual. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Eat uh, some mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I figure I'll go, I'll write a letter. It's plainly simple, write a letter, throw it into the ocean. So, then it comes to writing the letter, and I'm like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Well, I figured it, it, the words aren't important, the intention is important. So I wrote, you know what I want, you know what I need, with gratitude. Cool. And I signed my name. Took it down to the, to the pier at 4 a.m., threw it into the ocean. The water sparkled, I looked up, saw a shooting star, I swear to God. And I'm so, like, cool, done it. I'll stay for the sunrise, which is a big thing, because this is the sun rising over the Indian Ocean, the Bay of Biscay, and the Gulf of Arabia. You know, Gandhi is cool. It, it's it's a big it's a big thing. So, at 4 a.m. I'm there by myself. Come 5:30, there's about 500 Indian tourists. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, I quickly forgot about my little ritual. I finish off my journey, my writing. Um, next step of the trip, next leg of the trip is two weeks in England. I get to my brother's, he picks me up from the airport, we go to his house, my parents come, we sit down for a family dinner. Next morning we wake up, we're having coffee, beep beep. My phone says there's a message on Facebook. So I need to, I forgot to tell you a big part of the story. So the girl I'm getting a crush on, this artist, she's doing an installation in Portland downtown. <clears throat> And it's a small gallery, but on one side of the wall, in large copper leaf letters, you know the thing you do when you, we, there's three guys here. <laughs> well, there's a thing that uh, girls will do where if there's a boy they've got a crush on, they'll write their first name and the boy's last name. Oh. Like, you know, like, what if we were married? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's done this whole side of both walls, all the people she's ever had a crush on. Wow. In copper leaf writing. And then there's some slide projectors in the middle of the floor showing pictures of all of her mother's lovers when she was growing up and then her pictures of her as she grew up amongst this situation. So anyway, I get this Facebook message and it's from her. Cool. And I've never spoken to her. <laughs> and the message said, 
Hey, are you doing any weird alchemical telepathic shit on my installation? Because <laughs> there's 300 some names on the wall. Yours is starting to oxidize. So... You're plugged in, dude. And then there's a picture of my name. So I, I'm like, A, I'm on the wall of crushes. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, yes. And B, I guess my letter got through. It did. The one I posted 5,000 miles away in the sea when my name dissolved into the water. That's so cool. That's so Woo! cool, man. And we now live together and I've just seen proposed to her. What? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. And what, you just proposed to her? Uh, about uh, a month ago. And she said... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congratulations, She's like, if you man. can make any money from this whole Smurf thing, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you can, man. I think you can. I mean, I think we've got like... 91 likes on our Facebook page. And add so that to on my way. 130 views. <laughs> Bam. Bam. This story, I mean, it's 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 crazy interesting, man. I, I, I can't wait to get more info on it. Um, unfortunately, we're running out of time today. I don't want to say it's Josh's fault. But <laughs> it is. <laughs> but. So I guess, I mean, just, just to, to round up from my perspective, uh, well, I discovered the power of storytelling. And so this book I'm writing, Deeper Blue, I guess I've written it. I just, I'm just going to put it out as a Kickstarter campaign. It's about how uh, I tell my... It's about... It's, it's subtitled, A Guide to Fictionalizing Your Own Life. In a way that you tell the stories that you can make... You can write the ending, so to speak. And that's what this book, Mutants and Mystics, that inspired me originally was all about. About how the act of creating a story has a lot more power than people realize. So if you write a story about yourself, write a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love happy endings. So, like, <laughs> so, like man, I just, like, I mean, I, I honestly, like, I mean, I already went to work. Josh is about to go to work. I could listen to this stuff all day. So, I mean, I really hope that we can get you back on another time and we'll buy you some drinks and we'll get you talking. Hell yeah. We know you're a floozy when you're drunk. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I've been trying to get this, uh, this kind of this interview with you for like well, almost two years now. Yeah. So I, I really, re you don't, um, you don't know how big a deal this is for me. Sorry I mean, for being so aloof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, you know, maybe we'll be in that story. You're paying know. for these drinks, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Jots on tape. Yes. Yes, we are, and it's totally part of our board meeting that we're having today. That's right. Tax right up. <laughs> yes. LLC baby. No. Um, so you know. Well, uh, cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. I really appreciate it. So the book is going to be called Deep Blue. Deeper. Deeper Blue. Yeah. Yeah. Deep Blue is like a movie or something, right? <laughs> yeah. It's out. Deeper Blue by Alien Maybe. Check out the Dismurphy Code uh, on YouTube. Just search the Dismurphy Code. Maybe even search Alien Maybe. Um, maybe not. But anyways, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you.